0: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
1: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. We got big, big, big ball talk going on right now. Yes. We have ACC win totals to break down. We've got Barton Simmons, we've got Tom Fernelli, we got Danny Cannell all here. We've got you know SEC schedule going to be released in a little bit, which will play a very big role in the SEC win totals, which we will have coming for you later this week. This is, uh, for those who are uninitiated, if you've not gotten a chance to listen to the Big 12 win totals, these have been provided by the Edgewater Sportsbook and Entertainment Emporium, and they were only going to consider the conference games so of course we've got a 10 game conference schedule uh tom Fernelli, our master on the uh on the lines right there if if you want to reach out to him to try and uh and see if you want to get action on this tom if did anybody take up your option uh you're on uh venmo and you and uh, and getting in touch for some mythical dollars of
0: course no, no, our listeners are all cowards. Nobody has nobody has gotten in touch with me trying to take although there were a couple people who mentioned that taking the Kansas over half on last week's episode was a was a no-brainer like Barton, but nobody nobody's willing to put their money where their mouth is there.
1: A principal? Just just a principal, Kansas over half. All you need is one. Ah, I like it. Cowards. Um, cowards. We've got okay, so at some point here. Has the has, has the week one SEC schedule been released, or, or are they still just rolling through it as we record right now? Uh,
0: I think it's I think it's out. I saw a tweet about yeah it's C- SEC. We just tweeted it from the podcast account. Week one is right here. It is up and it is lame. Not exciting.
2: What it's exciting
0: got? in that. It's exciting in that it's not Alabama-Auburn in week one, which is I saw there were like tweets hinting at that, and I thought that would be horrible to have them starting the season with the Iron Bowl. But week one, Missouri versus Alabama, Mississippi versus Florida, Arkansas versus our beloved dogs, <laughs> Auburn versus Kentucky, LSU versus Mississippi State, South Carolina versus Tennessee, and AM versus Barton's beloved Vanderbilt.
2: Mm. Auburn-Kentucky. Game of the week. Gertie. Yeah. Maybe maybe be. that'll end up getting the... Da, 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 da,
1: da. We'll see if it'll get the horns. Uh, all right, we got 15 teams to break down with Notre Dame joining the conference for one, one, one time only. So uh you guys ready to count them up?
2: Let's do it. As much as I think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play, like, I can't even... I can't fathom any wins. How I many
1: kids are going to win this fall?
2: I just can't. I don't see it. Not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere.
1: We begin our ACC win totals taking a look at Boston College in year one under Jeff Halfley. Uh, we've got a, a team that based on its sort of identity and also personnel, Still should be pretty solid on the offensive line. Lots of remnants of Steve Adazio right there. Uh, We've got Phil Yurkovich did, right? Did end up getting uh, the waiver so that he is eligible to compete for the starting job at quarterback. The The schedule itself, uh, they do have Notre Dame on there. That game is at home. Um, we cycle in from the Atlantic division. No divisions, by the way, uh, in the ACC this year. Top two teams in the standings end up going to the ACC championship game. Our number is set at one and a half. Tom Fernelli, why don't you lead us off here?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, I like the half we hire. I I think that Boston College is wasn't really in terrible shape when they made the decision. It's just I'm not. I'm taking the over. I'm not as enthusiastic about it as you might have thought originally, though. Just simply because these these are only for the ACC games, so that the opener against Ohio does not count. So you, you get well, Duke on the It doesn't exist.
1: Ohio's huh? done.
0: No Ohio. Oh yeah, that's right. So their non-conference game right now is still technically. Nobody, you know, up in the air, but so they get Duke on the road. That's kind of a toss up. i would lean towards them there though, but then they get North Carolina Pitt, Virginia tech. I feel like those are probably losses. Georgia tech, somewhat of a toss up Clemson, a loss Syracuse, a toss up, Notre Dame, a loss Louisville, a loss Virginia, probably a loss. So I feel like it's like, can they win two of those Duke, Georgia tech and Syracuse games? And I think they can. I think they will. I'm not super confident about it, but I'm taking the over.
2: Uh, So this is a team I I felt a little better about the more I kind of looked into them. That's not to say I feel great about them, but uh, one and a half is a low number. It's not that that doesn't offer up a whole lot of um, enthusiasm for B.C. They do have one of the best offensive lines in, in the conference. Uh, Kobe White at at receiver, I think, is really good. Hunter Long at tight end is really good. They got Jalen Gill to transfer in from Ohio State. I think he's eligible. Um, I I actually... So they lose Anthony Brown to Oregon. Were he still here, I might feel pretty dang good about this team. I, I actually am not super confident in Phil Jerkovic. I think he what like he's just not a consistent thrower and the new offensive coordinator coming in kirk signetti he's an nfl guy like that pro style yeah like that doesn't (laughs) that that doesn't exactly scream to me easy installation uh without a whole lot of exposure to this in the offseason in the spring um they return a lot of starters on defense. Tim LeCou, uh Tim Lucabu is I think a really good young up and comer at defensive coordinator. I think Tom gave me a favorable enough line at one and a half. Or, excuse me. I think the Edgewater Emporium <laughs> yeah, gave me a favorable enough line at one and a half, to where I will take the over. Um, and 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 I think that I do think that a really good coach can make a difference in a year like this, even if he's a new coach. And and I tend to think Jeff Haffley is a really good coach.
3: I'm biased too. I, I talk. I spent some time, um, out in Arizona at the, um, uh, Fiesta Bowl talking to Halfley at media days. And he was like, it was just like one of these like spur of the moment. I wasn't covering him. It was like, he was kind of waiting for the bus. I happened to be doing something. We were just kind of waiting around. So I was just like, Hey man, how's it going? And he'd already taken the job at BC and he was talking. I was really impressed. By the presence, by the plan, by just there was a command there. And some guys just, you know, they're impressive when you talk to them. So I'm a little bit biased there. I do think he's a good hire. I'm going to take the over as well. And it is some bias, but it's also one and a half is a really low number. I know it's conference only. And by the way, all of these, like I was doing about half of them, like, man, I'm going over on all these on almost all of them. I was like, oh, non-conference chalk it up. They're going to win the non-conference. And then we're like, no, 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 just ACC. So I had to go back and reevaluate. But I do think maybe the best offensive line or one of the best offensive lines in the ACC, and to Barton's point about what Signetti wants to do coming in there, I think the shortened offseason might force him to simplify and do some of what they've been doing, which is run the football really well. Um, so I, they were, it, the, the quarterback play cannot get worse. I mean, you know, we've talked about Djurkovic not being that consistent they all combined the quarterbacks were under 50%, which in 2019 is almost unheard of. Like you should I mean you should be able to just go yeah. bubble passes and have 70%. So I think they'll get better play out of the quarterback. Uh, they were 113th in passing last year. They were it can, I don't think it can get worse than that. So I think they get over, but I don't think it's by a lot. Like I'm not saying, hey, it's going to be a surprise team in the ACC. But I think two wins will be. I think they'll find two wins on the schedule.
2: Yeah. The only caution I would say, like I, I just saw this, all this. Oh, Phil Jerkovic is eligible. Like woohoo! Like good. Like new confidence. I just, I just, I think any BC fan should just pump the brakes. Like just, just wait till a preseason scrimmage or something before you get excited. Maybe he is that good. I just. I think there's a reason he transferred, and I think that they may have to be creative on offense to to create to to find some plays.
0: You know, I've always said that as soon as a quarterback enters the transfer portal, the fans add another star to his rating right yep. away.
3: Unite us! On the, it, Unite from the perspective, clutch. though. <laughs> Notre Dame <laughs> might be dropping one of the one of the stars. <laughs> BC is adding them. <laughs>
1: Unite the clans. We're going all four over right here. Uh, I, on one hand, I don't see a single surefire win. There is no game mm-hmm. on Boston College's schedule that I'm like that is their win. So one and a half, uh, I'm going over, but I think it's a fair number. My, but at the same time, I only see five certain losses: uh, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Notre Dame, Louisville. My toss-up games are Duke at Duke, Pitt. Georgia Tech at Syracuse at Virginia. We'll get into this later in the show. I'm a little bit worried about our guy Dino Babers and the Dino drop. I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, so I think that between like Pitt and Georgia Tech are at home. Uh, you know that Pitt game's going to be all about the trenches. You know are they what kind of game are they going to get lured into? Virginia's got a lot of turnover. I think out of five toss ups, we can get two wins. So I uh, I will be going over completing the unity for uh, for Boston College we like them at this number count them out the clemson tigers entering as spoiler alert number 1 in the cbs sports 76 we do 130 normally but we've only got 76 teams right now so we're going <laughs> to rank quite them quite have the
0: same ring to it does it the cbs sports 76
1: uh, and and likely you know Especially with at the conversation was going to be going into the year, uh, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Ohio State's out of the mix. It's Clemson or Alabama, and Clemson was right there in the national championship game. Trevor Lawrence back, Travis Etienne back. I mean, just the depth that has been building up. Our camp buzz has been very positive for uh, potential instant impact freshmen, Brian Brisee and Miles Murphy. So, you know, there's a lot of optimism. Ten conference games, the Edgewater Emporium has set this number at nine and a half. The Notre Dame game remains on the schedule in its same position. Uh, Then they also cycle in from the Coastal Division or from Uncommon for their regular uh, schedule. You've got Virginia, Miami, in addition to Georgia Tech, also Pitt and Virginia Tech. Uh, Danny, which way are you going on the Tigers? So, I feel like I'm going
3: to be maybe on an island on this one, based on some of our short conversations and my recent, you know, short history on this show. I'm going to take the over. I think they run the table. I think they get the clean sleep, the ten and zero. Now, I. I'm fighting the urge to say, well, are they going to have that one Syracuse game, that one pit game, that one game where they just come out and they lay that egg and, and they get burned and they can't do it. They've only run the table once in 2018 when they had the perfect record. Um, But I'm looking for losses and I there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there could be that slip up game, but I think the Notre Dame game is clearly head and shoulders. The only one like, I don't know. I'll ask the Edgewater Emporium Casino out of all these games. Like, what do you think outside of the Notre Dame, which I would guess it's in South Bend, correct? Yes. Yes. I, I would say they probably would be a five point favorite in that game. Just spitball in here out of the other ones don't you think it'll be sort of a normal there'll be a 10 point favorite in almost every other game dude there'll be 28 point
1: favorites well, was, in yeah. most well, I was of these games. at minimum you yeah. know, like
3: like a miami so i'm like looking at miami i'm like well that's probably their first test after they go wake whoever non-conference open virginia they should win and then miami on october 10th and i'm like all right well Derek king might shock the world and be this dark horse you know heisman candidate if he's that then miami is a chance But with no Gregory Russo, you know, opting out, with a Miami team that I'm not 100% sold on, like I don't see that. Like, so I was trying to find. I think Notre Dame is the one, and I think Clemson will be. Like, I think they'll be ready for that game. I think they'll be fired up. I think Notre Dame will be too. You know, they've been told, hey, about that Fiesta Bowl loss, like that was embarrassing. But I just. I'm going to go with the kind of the Trevor Lawrence effect. I think there's going to be a sense of urgency from his teammates, an appreciation for him actually staying and playing with them. The fact that they lost, uh, you know, in the national championship, I think helps. So I'm going to say they run the table. So I I think I'm going to be on an island, but I don't know. Prove me wrong.
0: I'm I'm on the island with you.
3: You are? I love
0: it. All
2: right.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Tom. I, I'm a hundred percent with you on this one, Danny. It's it's like I talked about when we were doing uh, Big Twelve last week. I feel like in this kind of sterile environment where there aren't going to be crowds and there's really not going to be any home field advantage, I think talent and coaching is going to win out more often than ever before. And if we look at what's going on in baseball right now, there's some data that suggests that's the case because the home teams are winning at the absolute lowest rate we've seen in baseball in a long time, but favorites are winning at an unbelievably high rate. So I think we're going to kind of see that same kind of thing take over with football. And when I look at Clemson and I look at the rest of this conference, yeah, that Notre Dame game I feel like is going to be the only game on this schedule where the spread is probably going to be one score. Maybe if Florida State is playing really well going into that late in the season at the end of the year, Florida State's sitting there like, you know, eight and one or something, then maybe they could creep within a score or ten points. But I feel like everything else is a double-digit spread. And unless Clemson really screws up or unless Trevor Lawrence at some points says hey you know what i don't want to play as much as i thought i wanted to play a couple months ago maybe it's time to get ready you know for the nfl and even then with the backups they have behind him in that quarterback room i don't know if that'll be a huge difference maker i think this is a team that barring something crazy happening is going 10 and 0 i just don't see the loss on the schedule have you guys noticed who's driving
2: the conversation of let us play we want to play it's clemson it's Ohio State. <laughs> it's like Penn State. It's the teams that think they're really dang good. Like, it's the teams that like think they want to get out there and kick people's ass. And so, meanwhile, UMass is like, eh, we'll yeah, pass. Like, okay. oh, what? Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. It's a party tonight. Uh, so, I, I do, th- like, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm on the under, but I, I, I absolutely appreciate where y'all are coming from on that. And I can totally see an undefeated season, um, especially because it's, yeah, like, the, these guys want to play for a reason. Like, they know they're good. They they have been building towards this, working towards this. Um, there's, I think, a really strong culture within that building. And, by the way, they got nine spring practices in. Like, they basically got spring ball in as well. Um, so, my my only... My questions or my hesitations with Clemson are: a, you lose T. Higgins, who's a borderline first-round draft pick at receiver, uh, which was a big deal, but less of a big deal when you got Justin Ross. Now you lose Justin Ross too, so a big chunk of that offense is just these these really, uh, really, really precisely placed. Like back shoulder fades, vertical shots to these big, long, galloping receivers, and that's while that's still there. You got Frank Ladson and uh, uh got the Nagata kid, and then EJ Williams, another freshman, is is, is are all in there ready to roll. Those guys are inexperienced. A and by the way, all three of them, I think are out right now for yep. COVID protocol. Like I just think that there the offense might have some speed bumps along the way. Jeff Scott's gone. They got to, they got to count for that. Um, You know, Tony Elliott's still there. I'm not saying it's a disaster. I'm just saying that there are, there are some issues within this offense that they may need to iron out along the way. And all it takes is one slip up, Um, you know? And so, you know, maybe, maybe this is the year Brent Venable, all his, all the little wrinkles he likes to throw in that defense may be a little too much to deal with. I, I just think it's a lot to ask undefeated in, in this season, uh, so I'm on the under.
1: Yeah, eight wins by my count uh, on the the chipulation. I've got zero losses, and I got two toss-ups, I think, at Notre Dame and at Florida State. Florida State, if, if if we're just talking about talent, Florida State is one of the only teams on this schedule that might be able to go suit up out there. And the, the point you make about wide receivers, Barton, is absolutely at the forefront of my mind, as even Darion Kendrick, their best cornerback has mentioned might have to go play wide receiver because of all the wide receivers that are out. Um, So I'm, so can I
2: just, can I just like uh, lean into the wide receiver point a little bit? Like think about just identity of the offense, right? Identity of the offense is, is literally like you just think about Clemson's offense and these streaking verticals. And, and that is going to be, Diminished, I think. Like it might, they might warm up to it. And those guys, Joseph Nada and and um, Frank Ladson and EJ, well, those guys are all studs, so they could grow into it. But also, then there's the 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 slot position where they've had these guys that are so good at getting open, and they didn't really have that slot guy last year. They don't really have him again this year. Amari Rogers could be that position, but he's more of a straight line sort of guy. He's not really a space player. I just. I'm just curious what the identity of the offense will be. It's going to be a gashing running back with Travis Etienne, but I, the pass game just might—it just might not feel like itself for a little bit. You've got like Trevor maybe, Lawrence, maybe, but yeah, like maybe. you, you got to have people out there to like. <laughs> yeah, he it is a lot of responsibility. I might be underestimating our boy, you know, yeah. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. But I think it's worth worth pointing it out.
1: Nine and a half. Uh, I, I too will take the under. How many games are you going to win this fall? The Duke Blue Devils got a new offensive coordinator and his coach cut himself. Oh, he's he's taking matters into his own hands now. We got Chase Bryce in at quarterback from Clemson. Pretty good defensive line. Uh, big fan of Chris Rumpf. I've mentioned him on here before. The schedule shakes out. By my estimation, our number, excuse me, from the Edgewater Sports Spoken Entertainment Emporium is set at two and a half. They've got, you know, like a Florida State, a Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame. But I think we also got a lot of toss-ups. Uh, I'll go ahead and get this one started. I see at Virginia as a win. I see only four certain certified losses with Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Florida State. And then where Duke falls from there, I see sort of coming down to uh, Boston College, at Syracuse, at NC State, at Wake Forest, at Georgia Tech. Now, to have so many of those toss-ups on the road does make taking this position a little bit more challenging. But um, with five toss-ups, one certain win, I'm going to be taking uh, Chase Bryce, Coach Cut, and I'm going to go over two and a half.
2: So you're going certain win on Virginia, huh? That gives you a little little foreshadowing <laughs> of your Virginia pick. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a little heated right now.
2: <laughs> um, I I'm on the under here, um, and I think like what's like someone tell me what this team's identity is,
1: offensively like what, or in general.
2: Either one. I think defensively you know, over, over they've become.
1: Cavers? I think defensively they've become a really solid team up front.
2: Okay. I agree with that. They got, they got a couple of really good defensive linemen. No, no question. Agreed. Okay. So I guess offensively, what, what are you, what are you envisioning here?
1: Uh, in something new, like they're, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like they, they've got to get better play out of their wide receivers. Um, like they were not at all difference makers and they were doing Quentin Harris, no favors. um, you can't expect Duke's offensive line to create a whole bunch of space for a running game, so it is going to have to be a little schemed up and a little misdirection. But I'm uh, I'm I'm jumping on Grayson High School's finest right here. I mean, he's a championship guy with a good pedigree. You know, first thing you hear is that he was great in the locker room, so you know he's got to be good, right?
2: I'm going to tell you a little story. You tell me if it sounds familiar, okay? <laughs> okay. Clemson backup quarterback. Decides to transfer, leaves with all kinds of positive reviews and feedback about what a special talent and special person he is. Heads to a high academic program in need of just a starting quarterback. Always consistent, but if they just have that starting quarterback, it's going to be a really good team. He shows up, and without all those Clemson wide receivers (laughs) around him, he engineers the worst passing offense in about the history of modern college football. Is that How's that sounds? Oh, That's mean, Northwestern mean, and Hunter Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think we've seen Hunter Johnson do it. We've seen Kelly Bryant do it. I think Chase Bryce, you know, he's getting Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, tweeting out that he's, you know, uh, top of their board. And, you know, he had these, you know, big time showings in relief. For Clemson, uh, he's going to show up at Duke, and he's going to look around. And he's going to see that guy who's going to be your dentist. He's going to be see that guy who's going to do your mortgages, <laughs> and
0: he's going to be like, "What the hell did I do?" Yeah. So he's going to be picking locks on this show in a couple of years. Is what you're <laughs> 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 That's right.
3: I man, this one was one of the ones that I had to go back because I initially had the over um based on a non-conference win but since we're not getting that I just I, I want I love coach cut I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in all of college football like I have an appreciation for guys like him and Fitz at Northwestern like when you can win at places that have perennially lost and it's you have all the academic issues to overcome and still you know win the way they have He's only had two losing seasons in the last seven. Like they're the definition of overachieving. He has maximized it. I want him to get the. I want him to take over play calling, and have some miraculous season. I think their defensive line, as we said, was good. I think their secondary is good. I think their linebackers are young. But when it's just talent across the board on both sides of the ball, I just don't know if they're going to be able to hang. And get that many wins, so I'm going to take the under. This is when I went back and switched after we said only ten. I'm going to take the under, and I'll be pulling for with every out to me that I'm wrong on this one. But I'm kind of with Barton on the Chase Bryce is going to be the savior uh, at Wallace Wade Stadium. I just I don't know if that's going to be the answer. Like all of a sudden they're missing. I think I think they'll be fine in a year. I just think this is going to be kind of another
0: building year for duke yeah i I look at this schedule and i see five losses right away notre dame is a loss virginia tech is a loss north carolina is a loss sorry chip but virginia is a loss and florida state's a loss so that leaves kind of five kind of coin flip games with boston college syracuse nc state wake and georgia tech And there's just nothing that I could see from this Duke team either last year or what they have heading into this year. They have a good defensive line. I agree with that. But overall, as a team, I don't see enough there to convince myself that of those five coin flips, they're more likely to win three of them than only two. So because of that, I think two and eight is much more likely than three and seven. So I am also on the under chip. You are on a a Duke Blue Island. No. The,
1: the same team that went up to Blacksburg, Virginia, and kicked the Hokies' asses forty-five to ten. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, i I think I think there's still some some fa- a fabric of uh, a, f- a fabric of success that can still be harnessed there. They they collapsed uh, offensively late in the season. That's what happened, without a
2: Duke's, doubt. Duke's Duke's one winship is going to be dramatic. <laughs> they're they're gonna they're gonna beat someone fifty five to three, but this, that's all they got. All right, count them out. Florida State Seminoles,
1: uh, our number right here set at five and a half. Uh Danny, I'll let you take dibs. All right, I went I went back and
3: forth on this one. I don't think this is an easy one. I think yeah, the Edgewater uh, sportsbook did a pretty good job setting the number. Um. It'd help if you knew who the quarterback was, right? I think that's the first thing. It's well, like we we lost one
2: candidate today. Yeah. The, What's that? Chuba's uh, uh, out. Purdy. He's out. Oh, he is. All yeah, right. He got so, hurt.
3: Oh, he did. I didn't even see that news. Thanks for alerting me to that. Um, I was under the assumption it was gonna be James Blackman anyway. I thought Purdy's uh time as the starter would come mid season. Uh at best, kinda, you know, having to play catch up a little bit. I do like James Blackman. It's it's the question is can you get him to play better. and you know I don't know if that happens overnight. I think if we would have had this conversation before even a week ago when they just had this newest you know issue crop up with the CoVID test and kind of you saw uh oh, another you know issue in the locker room where players were disgruntled and there wasn't a collective you know unit that's all together like that's that's important in football. I would have said easily over this one. I had to talk myself into the over. I think it's not by much. I think I put over. I think they go six and four. Um, I think when you look at the schedule, I think they'll beat Georgia tech. I have them starting one and two with beating Georgia tech, losing to Miami, losing to Notre Dame. And then it's like all about the Carolina game. And if they can hang on to that one and win that one, I think it's the over You'll get my thoughts on North Carolina. I do think Florida State can beat North Carolina. I'm not. I, I'm high on Carolina's quarterback. I don't know if I'm high on them as a team as a whole. And I think Florida State's gonna have more talent than North Carolina. I think they're gonna have more talent than most of the teams they play last year. In the last, you know, two years, how many games do we see Florida State lose because of just mismanaged clock, mismanaged situationally, just? Poor coaching, which is what led to Willie Taggart's demise. I think Mike Norvell is going to tighten up some of those issues so that they're not in some of these situations that they were before. So I think they're going to win the tight games as opposed to losing them. And I think the talent is there. It's all about James Blackman, and I think he'll get. I think I think he'll play better. I don't think it's going to be a Heisman campaign by any means, but I I think Florida State will get that six wins in a great way. I think it could get seven, but I think six they should get.
2: Uh, this one's a, this one was a really tough one for me. I, part of it, like I'm, I think that Miami game is is a a big litmus test for sort of how you view this team. Um, and I'm a little bit surprised, Danny, that you've got them losing that game and then still going over. I would have figured the over or under goes hand in hand with the result of that game in some ways. Um, I, I've got I've got them under. Not a confident play. I really I think their defense could be pretty dang good. Like Joshua Kane, though, is apparently making a lot of waves in preseason practice. If he's coming along with with Marvin Wilson and Janarius Robinson up front, they, their linebacking group is, is 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 I think gonna be really good. And their DBs are, are kind of stacked. And so I think defensively across the board, like this just looks like a really good team. I'm just more I'm just worried about the offense. Like offensive line has been in depth, like for it seems like when was the last time Fuller said a defense offensive line like 2013 I, yeah, yeah there you go yeah <laughs> it, I think that's legit I think that's accurate and so it's uh offensive line will still be back he laborn has gone at running back they've they're depleted a little bit there Uh I know they have talent at wide receiver but is James Blackman going to be able to get him the ball and the new off it's just a lot of questions and as much as I think Mike Norvell is a stud he's not like he's not a magic man, where he can just you know wave his wand and this offense suddenly is crisp. And so I just I think there's enough sort of tough games in that in in the ACC to where they they lose a couple of these toss ups. So I've got them I've got them five and five. Maybe that's a pessimistic view, but um, I don't see them I don't see them better than six and four. I mean I don't know that I see them worse than five and five
0: either. I feel like that's sort of the right range. I got the over. I I look at the schedule and I see four wins off the bat. I think Georgia Tech is a win. I think NC State on the road is a win. I think Duke on the road is a win. And I think at home, Virginia is probably going to be a win for Florida State. So we're already at 4-0 there. So now we get to the Miami game on the road, Notre Dame game on the road. Miami, I see, is more of a coin flip, and I kind of agree with you, Bart. And I think that could be somewhat of a, a temperature-taking game where we find out just how good this team is going to be going forward. Notre Dame on the road is probably a loss. North Carolina at home, something of a toss-up. Louisville on the road, a toss-up, Hit a toss-up, Clemson a loss. So based on what I I, I think that's four and two right there with four toss-up games. So I think can Florida State win half those toss-up games? I mean, mathematically, (laughs) it says that they can. So I'm going six and four. I think that seven and three is possible. I don't think four and six is possible. So when I look at that range of five to seven, that makes me lean towards the over.
1: Yeah, I'm in here on the over. I, I, I had those four as my certain wins. I threw Pitt on there too. Um, especially with, uh, with Pitt losing Jalen Twyman to my guy, Jalen Twyman to, uh, opting out for the season. I mean, at Notre
2: Dame is I've chalked it up to a loss. Um, so we'll, we'll get to Pitt in a second, but let me ask you a question about Pitt then. Yeah. All right is you kind of just you chalk it up as a loss. Pitt had a better defense than Florida State last year. Last year, Do, yes. Okay. Do you think Florida State will have jumped them defensively this year?
1: I think that if they – I think that the personnel of Florida State's defensive backfield is good enough that they could be – the best in the conference. I think that they have underperformed and they have not matched the talent level of the personnel on the back end and giving up big plays and a leaky defense, especially against explosive plays has been a huge part of some of the trouble and consistency that they've had on defense.
2: All right. That's fair. That's fair. If they can get
1: that short up. And I think that that is what my bet of an over is suggesting. Um, And look, like when I say it's the certain win, the, there's, there's certainly some trepidation some for my uh, beloved pit to be put there. But like the at Louisville game is another one where, I mean, I don't know, is Louisville going to be able to stop anybody? Like that game has all the bana- – like that game could be bananas. Who knows mm-hmm. what, how that's going to go. But if I could get to five, what I felt like was five wins uh, pretty easily, then, yeah, I took the over on five and a half. Count them out. The Georgia tech yellow jackets year two under Jeff Collins. It's, I mean, it's a tough, tough sledding right here for, uh, the yellow jackets. Uh, I've, I've kind of got this team read as one that, uh, if it were to play a full 12 game schedule, and I think we might've mentioned this in spring gleaning, it's going to be a better team that might not have seen a big step forward in its, uh, win loss record or its win total. Tom, with the one and a half, uh, where are you going with the Jackets?
0: I I feel like I want to take the over and I'm going to take the over, but I'm not super confident in it. I'd I'd like to see what you three think more than anything, because when I look at this schedule, I just there was such. The rebuild and the reconstruction, really, I don't even think it's a rebuild. It's, it's a reconstruction of a program going from the option to going to what Jeff Collins is going to want to do with it going forward. And I just don't know, like we, we've talked about this with the Big 12, too, where we see team coaches entering their second years, losing the spring and kind of. Just coming into the 2020 season in this crazy fashion, I think that Georgia Tech suffers because it slows down their ability to move forward with what they want to do. But I do think that I, 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 I think they have a good enough coaching staff, and I think there's talent enough on the team. And to be quite honest, I think the bottom of the ACC, once you get past the top three or four teams, is weak enough where Georgia Tech is going to be able to find that room to get the wins. So I think this is a team that can get to two wins. I think they can and get the three wins it's just i'm not super confident in it but i am taking the over
3: all right i got some stats for you
0: <laughs> their right.
3: offense in 28 this is this is where i always when when teams want to fire coaches or get rid of them i'm always like do you realize you're starting an expansion franchise essentially it's what you're doing because it's not only the head coach usually it's coordinators it's starting from a clean slate when you go from triple option it's like you're bringing up a double, you know, a a, a single-A baseball team to play in the big leagues. (laughs) like It's even more, it's harder than an expansion team when you're talking about this. 2018, they averaged 34 points a game. Last year, they averaged 16.7. And that was, we knew that was going to happen. I don't know if we thought it was going to be that bad. Led the nation in punts. Now, granted, they have, and I think this is the smart way. If I was trying to do a rebuild like this, I would probably try to get some transfers. He's got three offensive linemen from the SEC. Bring in some be- big bodies. Try to, you know, get up there. I think it's going to be a long process for Jeff Collins. I like him. I think they're heading the right direction. I'm going to take the over two. I mean, one and a half is so low. Like I feel like it's just there's got to be two wins in there somewhere. It's hard to find them. It's hard to pick them out. It would be a- against some of those. Lower tier teams. I think it's interesting as we've been talking through some of these schedules. We're like, oh, okay, Georgia Tech, that's a win. Georgia Tech, that's a win for the opponent. So you're like, all right, where are these going to come? I think they'll get two wins. I don't think it's going to come easy, but I think that I'll, I'll take the over. And the other thing is too, a true are we? Is it Jeff Sims? Are we relying on a true freshman to, to be the guy? You know, he comes in with a nice resume, but is that is that the answer? I think maybe, but I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, a catastrophic, you know, if you're a one win team, man, that does not look good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's my biggest question is quarterback, because I do think that they're going to be relying on a true freshman. Um, but ha- here's here's another encouraging number for you. All right. According to uh, our, our guy, Phil Steele, uh, Georgia Tech last year, one hundred and twenty second in the country in terms of returning experience Number in one twenty 20- <laughs> In 2020, they're number one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, look, man, I I don't know why Jeff Collins has decided to tie his branding of Georgia Tech to the Waffle House, but whatever (laughs) the reason for that is, I'm bought in. Like, I actually really believe that Jeff Collins is, knows what he's doing and that the cult that he's had, this is your one, like, might be a little bit tough to to sort of latch on to it but year two of the cultural rebuild i think will make a difference i think he's had enough time with these guys to where the the depleted offseason won't crush them um they, they they you know they have really good players on defense i think um they have you know i think tobias oliver moving to cornerback from from quarterback is is, is going to be uh helpful. I think Trey Swilling is is legit at uh, at corner. I think that those offensive linemen Danny was mentioning are going to help him up front. Uh, give me two wins like they got NC State Duke Syracuse. They can get two out of those. I think they get two out of those Pfft, against my blue devils.
1: Are you kidding me? So I've got six certain losses, no certain wins, four toss ups. Those four toss ups being at Syracuse at Boston College Duke at home at NC State, I, I think they'll be better. I don't think that we are going to see Jeff Collins' imprint on the defense until they become more consistent offensively. If that happens this year. I lose my pick. Um, if it doesn't happen this year, like and when they start to be, you know, fast and loose, they start to get all their exotic blitzes down. They get to start to take a few more chances. What does he call him? The Minister of Chaos. Isn't that the Jeff Collins nickname?
2: hmm
1: Something like that? I, so, sounds right. Yeah. I, I, I think that this is... Uh, they, were, they, like, they got some teams last year. They put a scare in Virginia. They beat Miami. Like, there, was, there was some big-time surprise factor. I don't think they're able to, to pull the same thing off. They will for sure get one of those four toss-ups, but in the interest of balance, because my win totals have integrity... I gotta have an under, and this is one hey, of the ones that went under.
2: Here's an X factor, okay? In a bunch of empty stadiums in the ACC, who you think is gonna have the most juice on the sideline? Jeff no, Collins. Jeff Collins' crew is gonna—they're gonna have like <laughs> softball chants. Like everybody's gonna be clapping and like you know singing choreographed chants. Like they're gonna be ready, generating energy in an empty stadium.
0: Another X factor is Jeff Collins. He, he, they brought those hats back last year—just the plain blue hats with the gold T on them. Those things are sweet. That I can't lie and say that those hats alone didn't add a win to their win total for
1: me. <laughs> well, I thought it was just uh, so that he could uh, minister of mayhem before any of before the, the large swath of Georgia Tech fans uh, come <laughs> a after me. swarm of bees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the minister of mayhem is Jeff Collins' uh, nickname. How many games are going to win this fall? Martin's beloved Louisville Cardinals. Uh, the number is set at five and a half, one One of the most impressive single season turnarounds in all of college football last year. They were great offensively. They were very leaky defensively. We've got a phenomenal quarterback running back wide receiver trio with Mikhail Cunningham, Javion Hawkins and Tutu Atwell on the offensive line. You know, Well, I think that's something that uh, that we're taking a look at to see if they're going to be able to shore that up. But uh, nothing but positive grades for Scott Satterfield. Barton, five and a half is the number. How are you feeling?
2: I mean, I can't be a self-respecting Scott Satterfield stand and not go hard on the over uh, if you're going to give me just at least a, a, a respectable number like this at five and a half. So I'm, I'm over. Um, I think, I mean, the defense has got to get fixed the offensive line is is um you know is is they got Cam the De, De, DeGeorge the kid from Yukon which was apparently one of like the better grad transfer offensive linemen out there which i think helps they they return i think pretty much their whole offensive interior and those guys you mentioned TuTu Atwell uh, Javion Hawkins Mikhail Cunningham that's legitimately one of the better three headed offensive monsters in the country. Like I think legitimate and that's, you know, Mikael Cunningham takes a big step forward this year. Who the hell knows? And so the defense has to be improved. Um, their defensive coordinator, Brian Brown is supposed to be uh, a rising star. So we'll assume he gets that squared away. And I, I just think that they- they- there was so much heavy lifting that was done just to, to get have the season they had last year. I don't see any reason why they can't build on it, especially considering some of the pieces they have coming back on offense.
0: So I, I'm on the over. I, I think that this is a team that's is, is really good. I'm on the under. I think I like them. I, I- I I was impressed by the amazing how quickly they were able to turn things around seemingly last year it's just that defense man I can't have too much faith in this team with that defense because if we look at last year like their wins they had the blowout win over you know Eastern Kentucky they they beat Western Kentucky by 17 but it was a two point win against BC it was a three point 62 to 59 win against Wake Forest it was a touchdown win against Virginia they beat NC State by a couple scores and then they blew out Syracuse and they beat Mississippi State by 10 but then let's look at the losses they lost by 18 to notre dame they lost by 11 to florida state they lost by 35 to clemson they lost by 25 to miami they lost by 32 to kentucky when they lose they were getting blown out and that suggests to me that you know they weren't as good as that record overall might suggest, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of regression just kind of based on luck and based on how they performed against the top teams at the top of their schedule. So I think 5-5 five and five is where I end up with at Louisville, and that kind of leads me to take the under.
3: I'm in more in Barton's camp of the Scott Satterfield stand wagon. <laughs> you want to call it that? Like I'm a believer in what he did. I also think... You know, as much heat as Bobby Petrino had for falling off the rails and how bad they were his last season at 2-10, and 10, before that, they were like an 8-9 win machine. Like, they have some talent there. So I think Satterfield deserves a ton of credit for turning it around, but I don't think it was quite as bad, and they didn't have as far of a jump. I think it's, I think it's why he one of the reasons he had a big turnaround is because there was some talent on that roster. And it goes back, like, they've always been, like, this kind of sneaky team in the ACC that's always had – Kind of, They've been able to recruit, not at the tier of Florida State, Miami, Clemson, obviously, but they're kind of like right there. They can steal some guys from Florida. remember Charlie Strong, that was his whole thing on how he built Louisville was, you know, recruit Florida, recruit Florida. And it's kind of that word of mouth kind of gets around. They're like, oh, it's kind of a good school. You can go there, you know. I think they have – Mikhail Cunningham, are you – I didn't realize how strong of a year he had. So if you look at his 22 touchdowns, Sam Howe obviously led the uh, a- a- ACC at North Carolina with 38. And it was Trevor Lawrence, 36. Then it was Jamie Newman, who's gone, had 26. Then guess who's next? Mikhail Cunningham had 22 touchdowns. So he was – and Bryce Perkins and him were tied. And Bryce Perkins, we know – He missed he a had. couple games too. Right. So I, I I look at this and I put – and call me bias. It's a quarterback-driven game. And you guys mentioned the three-headed monster they have on offense. Their defense is going to get better – I look at the schedule, I, I think they're kind of in a similar position as Florida State, where I think they might have more talent than a lot of their players, or than their opponents. I think it's going to be close, but I think there's going to be some swing games, and I think they're going to win it because of quarterback play in Satterfield, like getting these guys' minds right and having them ready to go. So I'm going to take the over, too.
1: I think that they still need to get better on a personnel perspective defensively before any major steps are taken. But even considering that to be a weakness in this team, I look at the schedule and I've got five wins. I've I've got Georgia Tech, Virginia, Syracuse, Boston College, Wake as wins for the cards. And my toss-ups are Miami, Pitt, Florida State, Virginia Tech with Miami, Florida State, and Virginia Tech all being at home. So I kind of feel like if I've got five and I just need to get one more then Yes, I am enthusiastically taking the over on five and a half. And even if you threw six and a half at me, I'd think about it. Because when I ran the ACC schedule chipulation when it was first released... I had the cards potentially going seven and three and maybe even getting a taste of the ACC championship game contention. Oh yeah. That's
2: the good stuff that
1: (laughs) that would require some steps forward defensively, but at five and a half, uh, I'm feeling real good about taking the Louisville over
0: great. I get to spend all season being labeled as the Louisville hater on the show. Now
2: it's no fun being a Louisville hater. Tom (laughs) That is not a fun place to be. (laughs) up.
1: the Miami Hurricanes uh, year 2 with Manny Diaz at the head coach we're we're just going to we we just took out the cartridge and we blew in it and we stuck it back in offensively we got Derek King now we got Rhett Lashley um you know Brevin Jordan is probably our one skill position player that we feel a little bit good about question marks otherwise offensively defensively you lose Gregory Rousseau but um you know Jalen Phillips is still still there Quincy Roche comes in from Temple So they should still be really good up front defensively and really defensively overall uh, as Manny Diaz carries a little bit of a reputation. Our number here is five and a half. Tom, kick us off. Which way are you going with the Hurricanes?
0: I have no idea. This is, I feel like Miami's entire season is going to depend on the first few weeks of the season because if you just look at the way the schedule's is broken up. They open with UAB that whatever, that doesn't count, but then they get Louisville on the road. Then they've got FSU at home, a bye week and Clemson on the road. We're looking at a situation where they might be. zero and three coming out of their first three games. And in a season like this, and in which it's compacted and there's really we don't know what the playoff picture is going to be. We don't know what the bowl picture is going to be. We don't know what the world is going to look like come the end of September, early October when they're playing these games. If this team is Owen three. Maybe they quit. I don't know. It's like if I just get this sense that if they get off to a slow start, this could be the kind of we've seen it with Miami before. If they get off to a slow start, they might just kind of, you know, mail it in for the rest of the year. And when they get to the winnable part of the schedule, they might not feel as, you know, enthusiastic about playing those games. So I think it's really important for them to get off to a good start. I'm taking the over just because I think talent-wise they have enough if the motivation stays at the right level and they get at least one or two wins from those first three games to keep going throughout the season because the back end of that schedule I think does provide them with plenty of opportunities to pick up wins. So I'm going over. It is not a very confident over at all. I see a wide range of outcomes for Miami this year. Uh,
2: all right, so there's there's two two points here that I think – are I've sort of been drawn to and picking this <clears throat> one. Look, I, I acknowledge how good Miami's defense is going to be, and I, even though they lo- lose Rousseau, the D line's still going to be nasty. But it, here are the two things that I I struggle with. One is how many times have we picked Miami? Because of the low energy atmosphere that they're going to have to be playing in <laughs> after they played in a raucous environment, get a big win in the in prime time. And then next week, it's it's they fall flat because the the energy isn't there. Sure. Every single week is going to be low energy. It's all the Duke game. It, it's every, for all the dude's yeah, the yeah, dude yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you're telling me that you're gonna like bet on this team to just get up every week when they've never done it before. Like so that's a major red flag for me. Sure. And then this and then the second one that I, I've I've just sort of recently started to come to grips with is this idea that like like Derek King is this savior strikes me as dis uh, I don't misguided inaccurate like yeah like uh, because he might be and like like he very well might be but let's 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 play this out like let's switch the scenario here and instead of Derek King coming off basically a redshirt season let's say he played out last year let's say and I know that he wouldn't have the eligibility left but like let's say he played out last year and he was finished the year like he started the first four games and he was a 50% passer or whatever he was last year. It it wasn't impressive. Uh, Are we looking at him differently? Like why are we so hung up on 2018 where he had a good year in the AAC? He is a, he is a unique talent and he is an intriguing player to arrive at Miami, but that he is some savior I'm not on board with yet. And so I'm, if we're going to count on that, to like solve the offense when the offense hadn't been solved in any number of different coaches. Now they got a brand new offensive coordinator and a new, and a new quarterback who played four games last year and completed 52% of his passes. Like, I don't know. Miss me with that. Like y'all can have it. I'll take the under and I'll let Miami sleepwalk through this season.
3: I don't think they need a savior. Their quarterback play has been atrocious. Like that's the thing. I don't think he, I, I don't think he has to be, the King of 2018 when he had 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. I don't think we see that. I mean, he's a popular dark horse Heisman pick. Like, hey, if you do see that, of course he would be in that conversation. Um, But I I, I listened to your guys' picks the other day when I had to bounce early, and I was listening to Tom, and he said it again today. This year, more than ever, talent and coaching are going to win out. And I totally agree. And I think I would probably even lean more towards talent. And I think the coaches that get out of the way – and you know, simplify and say, you know what, maybe we don't, then especially with a Rhett Lashley, who's going to want in and come, come to implement his whole scheme and throw a lot at Derek King. If you make it simple and keep it simple, the teams with the talent are going to come out on top, regardless of what the atmosphere has looked like. Our total is what five and a half, right? Mm -hmm. I just, I look at this again. It's sort of the same as Florida state, sort of the same as Louisville. I think they're the more talented teams so I think they're going to win more than five and a half. And I, I again, I think you could see a lot of and the ACC is this has kind of been their MO. It's Clemson and then a bunch of teams, or you know, then there's a kind of a drop off and there's a bunch of teams stacked up around 500, right? And it's been their downfall because everybody's like, ah, they're not that good. They don't have teams in the top 25. They bang up on each other, and they're that's kind of what's happened. I think of all this, September 26th. The Miami Florida State game could be massive for both of these teams, whichever way they go. I have a little bit more confidence the Florida State could rebound, but what if Marvin Wilson says, "All right, I, I'm, you know, we're out of the ACC championship. I'm gonna roll." You know, like that could happen. This is a unique year where there's gonna be a lot of conversation about what's at stake, and you know, are there outbreaks, and all these could happen. What kind of momentum could shift? You know, I I thought I think Miami wins that game, but. I I still, I'm taking the over. I just think five and a half is a low number for a team that has that much talent on it.
1: I got four wins, Virginia, NC State, Georgia Tech, and Wake Forest. I got two losses, Clemson and North Carolina, and my four toss-ups are Louisville, Florida State, Pitt, at Virginia Tech. On sheer principle, with four wins, a five and a half total, and four toss-ups, my official submission is over. But nothing on this podcast thus far has shaken to me to my core, quite like every game's gonna be the Duke game. <laughs> like, I cannot advise if you are going to take action at the Edgewater Emporium, they that Miami line is just a booby trap waiting for you. Like a like an Indiana Jones style right before you get to the treasure, kind of just ready to snap you up. I'm it's that is a, a strange one. And I, I agree with a lot of what y'all said in terms of where this hinges and you know it's it's like f- with this i feel less confident in what i thought were my certain wins and not necessarily any less confident in their ability to win some of those toss-ups against Louisville, Florida State, Pitt and Virginia Tech so I'm hey, on, what, on what if
2: what if UAB wins in the in the first game who <laughs> i guess that's not a that's a good UAB team you Wait, know that what if? Right, hey hey hey!
1: Right now, Miami—it's a, it's
2: a good group of five teams.
1: Miami is on an zero and two losing streak against Conference
2: USA. True.
1: They hey, are- let's even say. Let's, <laughs> say they,
2: let's say they win that game. What if Louisville? What if Louisville wins in the, in the first ACC game? Like I just man, like there's a high likelihood of just shuddering things if if things go yeah. south quick. Miami just hasn't
0: given us a whole lot of reason to be confident in recent years as far as the, the mental approach to football.
1: Just like Manny Diaz, white as a sheet of notebook paper, this is a dark, dark day in the history <laughs> of a proud program.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, coming up on the other side, more of our ACC win totals next
0: Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, UN NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies, if there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal. There's nothing on earth quite like this. Oh my God! The Champions League is back at its new home on CBS All Access. Stream every match of the world's most prestigious tournament live. That's incredible. The UEFA Champions League group stage kicks off Tuesday on CBS All Access. There's nothing like it.
1: We return with the University of North Carolina, which has, as we're recording right now, announced that they are going all online for the rest of the semester due to clusters of positive COVID-19 tests. Not the best situation as of right now. It does not seem to impact uh, student-athletes in terms of sending them home or anything else like that. Student-athletes among those, uh, along with international students and others that fall into certain categories, have the option to stay if they are in university housing. So the North Carolina Tar Heels on the field. Hey, if we get there, should be pretty darn good. We talk about the um, you know the strong combinations of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Well, I mean you know Sam Howell, uh, a running back room with a little bit of a running back by committee that has worked out pretty well for them. And then you know Daz Newsome and Deami Brown are two of the you know more productive wide receivers in the ACC, both topping a thousand receiving yards last year are over under here, set at six and a half. Barton, what are you thinking?
2: Um, so I'm going to make a prediction that Tom is on the under. Based I- on his number? No, no. Uh, my prediction is based on, I think that's like the sharp bet. Oh, just to like fade the hype? Yeah, it's like, you know, there's the... There's, they they did the bowl game deal and like they blew they you know like overreaction to the bowl game come in and uh, they're still just in year two and like there's all kinds of I think reasons to temper your expectations with North Carolina but I, I and so I went in like maybe expecting to go under but I just I don't know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow myself to limit myself. I'm going to uh, go ahead and and just engage in this North Carolina optimism and play the over because I think they have so much talent at wide receiver. They are really good at quarterback. Obviously you mentioned their running backs that, you know, defensively I think Jay Bateman is one of the best in the country, defensive coordinator. Every game they lost last year was a close game. It just, I'm, I'm, I got wrapped up in it. I'm wrapped up in the North Carolina buzz. Like I, I think this team is really heading in the right direction. I think they really have good mojo. I think that building is feeling really good this off season. And even if there's not a lot of people in it, you know, I think they're really good on those zoom meetings, like a lot of smiles. (laughs) So I am, I'm just going to go ahead and keep on playing this North Carolina train.
0: A lot of topless journalists. Uh, (laughs) I, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I, I said a couple of weeks ago, too, when we first saw the ACC schedules come out, I feel like North Carolina is one of the teams that benefit the most from this schedule. Because, really? A, they they don't have to play Clemson, sure. and I think that's huge. Yeah, And, yeah, I just think that I'm on the over, too. And I was I've been saying that I was way too or I felt like everybody was way too high in North Carolina. And I do think everybody's way too high on them. But I think this, you know, still six and four is still six and four. It's not like they're a juggernaut. It's just looking at the schedule. Syracuse is a win. Boston College is a win. Virginia Tech's probably a win. Florida State on the road. eh, Toss up. NC State a win. Virginia on the road. eh. Duke's a win. Wake's a win you're losing to Notre Dame, you can beat Miami on the road, and based on the way we were talking about Miami before the break, Miami might be, you know, done well before then anyway, so I don't think six wins, I I feel like that should be the expectation, so I'm, I'm taking the over. Unite us. Unite the clans.
1: Syracuse win. Boston College, win. NC State, win. Virginia, win. Duke, win, wake, win. Miami, win. I got 7. 7 right there. That's not even counting toss-ups. Are you <laughs> kidding me? This this team's going 8 and 2. The North Carolina Tar Heels will be 8 and 2 if they can get through their 10 game schedule. I agree Notre Dame's the loss. And I look at Virginia Tech at home like I like North Carolina on paper better than Virginia Tech, but that's also taking into consideration that it's really hard to just magically take this big leap. I mean, this is still a team that like they needed some fourth quarter heroics to be able to pull some stuff out early in the season. There were some frustrating uh, moments. Like they were, they were like one of the worst second quarter teams in the country for a stretch last year. I mean, there's there's some you know improvement that needs to happen along the way. But yeah, Virginia Tech and at Florida State are my only toss ups. So uh, that is an over six and a half.
2: But can't go full on unity though. Can't go full on unity.
1: Danny Cannell yeah. taking the under uh for the University of North Carolina Tar Heels.
0: Danny Cannell, noted off! Tar Heel hater. Noted.
1: NC State Wolfpack number right here set at five and a half. I came out strong. Uh we had to guess all the records. What was it in like March or April, Tom, for CBSports.com. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I had a lot of uh, a lot of my NC State placed insiders kind of kind of kind of reach out to me, and they were like, "Oh, so you're optimistic on the uh, the Wolfpack, huh? You want you want to tell me why that is? Because I don't know if I'm that optimistic." And people, when the when the smart when the smart people, I so I'm not like easily swayed by others, but it it at least caused me to reevaluate the situation big gear ahead for Dave Dorn nonetheless.
2: Wait, 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 wait. You're saying the the North Carolina state people are optimistic or they were asking you if you were optimistic?
1: I they thought that I came out too strong guessing that NC State was going to win 7 or 8 games. And that was with okay. a 12 game schedule and they were on the other side suggesting that that is asking a lot from a group that underperforms a little bit last year, and uh, as I look at the the ten game schedule, it's uh, it's looking like it's probably going to be around a, a five
2: hundred type season. Barton, you want to take lead on this? Yeah, if 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 I saw this number five and a half um, at a mainstream casino, I would wonder what they know that I don't know five and a half from the Edgewater Emporium uh, makes me wonder if their research team just got a little overworked uh, because they're busy <laughs> watching Korean baseball. Uh, I, I don't know where six wins are going to come from. I don't, I am like, not, is that, this was the easiest one of my, like this, like, we just bet. What are we doing? Like, are we just betting on NC state being like getting back to, Tough guy ball, and you know you just don't want to play NC State, and they're just going to figure it out. And like they got the same number as as like Miami and Florida State and Louisville, all of which I think are clearly better equipped to to top that number. I just don't see it. I think there's serious quarterback questions. Yes, I think they've got good running backs, um, led by Bam Knight. I think that their 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 defensive line could could end up being really good this year. Lee McNeil's really good. I think those the young guys they recruited over the last couple classes should start to show up but i still don't have enough confidence in that offense tim beck coming in isn't exactly like you know a miracle worker on offense um i just not not nowhere close did i like yeah they, maybe they win a couple games like there's a there's a couple of toss ups that you know maybe i'm not sure which way they go but t- to get to 6 in conference i was not tempted
0: I have some sources at the Edgewater Sportsbook and Entertainment Emporium, and I, I talked to them about this. And the reasoning behind the five and a half was simply because they don't think NC State's four and eight record last season is a true indicator of what that team was, because this was a team that did start out four and two. And then I think they were down what was Leary, the third or fourth string QB chip third. Yeah, so they were down to their third-string QB. But they thought he was the
1: future. Like, they were hoping that Devin Leary would get to a point that, like, this year, he would be ready to go.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was a freshman, and he looked very much like a freshman over those last six games, which... NC state lost every single one of them. And there were some ugly losses in there. You know, you, you lose to BC by 21. You lose to wake by 34 Clemson. You get killed by whatever Louisville beats you, whatever a close loss to Georgia tech. And then North Carolina really put the finishing knife right there in the stomach with a 31 point loss in the rivalry game to finish the regular season. I don't think NC State is as bad as that four and eight team was. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think this is a more of an average five hundred. It's not the nine and three teams we saw, but I think that five and five is very much within play. I'm taking the under. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think six and four is realistic. I maybe I could have gone with four and a half for the total. Maybe that would have been a better one to put. But I still think that five and five is very doable for this. So I'm going under five and a half.
1: NC State teams play with the physicality in the trenches on on the offensive and defensive line that allows them to be competitive when they can put it together uh, around that. I think that comes from a good strength and conditioning program, and we've seen that with the way they've been able to turn out some NFL draft picks from some uh, less-than-heralded recruits. D'Antonio Burnett running that show, I think they've done a really good job right there. There has been some turnover on that coaching staff, which might lead to some concern on the like consistency and, and sort of ha- whether all the pieces are in place and whether everybody's on the same page. I've got five losses with four toss-ups. So at five and a half, I'm also going under and Unite us. Unite the clans So is Danny Cannell.
2: Yeah. So up. get Get to the uh get to the store the window there at the sports book before that line starts moving because the public sounds like they're heavy on the under.
0: If I'd have gone at four and a half, where would you guys have gone? Uh, it would have been a trickier play, but I still would probably be on the under. Okay.
1: My toss ups are Wake Forest, Virginia, Duke, Georgia Tech. And so four and a half would ask me. Oh, that would ask me to take all of them. Yeah, because my losses are Virginia Tech, Pitt, North Carolina, Miami, Florida State. Still would have gone under at four and a half.
0: Well, and by out. the way, when I say I, I mean my friends right. at the Edgewater <laughs> Sportsbook. <laughs> uh,
1: Notre Dame Fighting Irish, an uh, ACC full member for one, one, one time only. We They pick up, uh, they already had six games on the schedule. Uh, number right here, set at eight and a half. Barton. What you thinking? Uh,
2: this was a this was really a difficult one for me. Um, I started it over. I think I ultimately am going to land on under, but this is obviously not a confident play. I think it's there's somewhere in there an eight and two, nine and one. Uh, I don't think I see ten and zero, but I but I don't say nine and one with the expectation that the Clemson game is a is a definite loss. Like I, I'm only saying nine and one because. know maybe they do slip up somewhere else along the way. Um I, I just think Notre Dame can win every game on its schedule. I think Notre Dame is like you hear Brian Kelly talk about this team and he really he he talks about the leadership. He talks about the professionalism. This is a team that is well positioned, well equipped to be successful within this very difficult environment. Um They, I think the defense has been so steady and so consistent. I I expect to continue to be that way. Ian book returns and he's not Trevor Lawrence, but he is a senior starter with a lot of big game experience. He loses some playmakers, but he, they, they are some really talented young guys coming in that I think can help them. Um, so I like this Notre Dame team a lot, but as, as, you know, approaching this podcast, I, I'm have switched from over to under um, to give you a little bit of idea just sort of how much I'm teetering on the edge here.
0: I'm on the over. I mean, I, I, I made the comment when we, on our show when the ACC schedule first came out how Notre Dame went from playing six ACC games to 10 ACC games, and its schedule got easier in the process because right. I, I, I do think they are easily the second best team in the ACC this year. I, the reason I'm going over is because I do agree with you, Bart. I don't think the Clemson game is an automatic loss. I think Notre Dame has a decent shot of winning that game. So because of that, it makes it hard for me to find a definite second loss. So I'm closer, more to the nine and one than I am to an eight and two. Well, I'm not, and it's not like, oh yeah, definitely nine and one, ten and zero. This is a definite over. I mean, this is still like a fifty-five percent, forty-five percent situation for me. But I do think nine wins happen slightly more often than eight wins. So I'm going with the over.
1: I'm going with the over as well. I've got no certified losses. I count Clemson and at Pitt because, of course, right? Like in in Notre Dame at Pitt, just destined to be some kind of weird rock fighty type game. And we turned in our, uh, our ballots for the All-America team. I've got Brian Kelly as my coach of the year. How about that? Let's let's watch the Fighting Irish get all the way uh, to the end of this thing, win an ACC championship, and then uh, be be some of the only. I, mean, I feel like Notre Dame might be one of the only teams to make it to the end of the year.
2: Yeah, like uh, that's, yeah. yeah, like they're just the ones that show up. Yes. Like, like they, they, they accumulate a lot of forfeits back into the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, I think they're they're in a good shape right now. So I'm going to go also be jumping on that over at over eight and a half how many games are gonna win this fall the Pittsburgh Panthers our number at the edge Warrior entertainment Emporium and casino is set at five and a half uh, the Panthers are should still be really solid defensively Paris Ford all- America caliber defensive back they should be still pretty strong along the uh, defensive line offensively man they they need Kenny Pickett to finally come and take a step forward at, at some point right here. You take a look at the schedule. I mentioned that Notre Dame game. It certainly looks like a, a very pit schedule in that as I do my schedule analysis, I, don't, I see more toss-ups than I do wins or losses. In fact, as many toss-ups as wins and losses combined. The wins that I'm looking at for Pitt this year, Syracuse, NC State, and at Georgia Tech, my losses are at Florida State and at Clemson. And then here's where the toss-ups get interesting because I like it, it's the full range. I've got Louisville, but then I've also got at Boston College because that's what Pitt could do. They could beat Louisville at home or they could lose to BC on the road. I've got at Miami as a toss-up. I've got Notre Dame as a toss-up, as I mentioned, for kind of like Notre Dame-Pitt kind of vibes. And then I've got Virginia Tech, also a home game listed as a toss-up. So with only three wins uh, certified and five toss-up games, my calculations had me right at five and a half. So I think that the odds makers did a great job here. And then as I went back for my final calculations, I ended up going under, but this is a, it is a no play uh, type under, but yet still an under for me for Pitt. I feel five and five, a little bit more than six and four, but my calculations, I think five and a half is just about right.
2: Uh, I'm, so let's talk about Pitt. Pitt is, they had one of the best defense in the country last year. Mm -hmm. They, they do lose Jalen Twyman, but let's not forget that last year, Keyshawn camp and Rashad Weaver basically missed the season. Mm -hmm. So let's trade him for those two. And you know, it's not a bad, not, not a bad situation. Um, their defensive backs, as you mentioned, really good. Kenny Pick has been there forever. Now he's in second year with Mark Whipple. Like, this is a year that Pitt should be... Like, if Pitt doesn't have a really good season this year, then how good can they ever be? And so I I tend to be pretty optimistic about this Pitt team. Um, I think it's built for Pat Narduzzi. I think it's... And I think it's taken some time to get here, but here he is with the kind of team he's always sort of wanted. Um, They need some more playmakers on offense, uh, especially in the run game. They got to find some offense in the run game. Israel Abadakanda is a true freshman. That's really good. Jordan Addison is a true freshman. I think will be a stud for them at wide receiver. I'm on the over.
0: I'm on the under just, I, Pitt going five and five just seems like destiny to me. Like it would be them going four and four in conference play any other year, five and five in a 10 game season just makes the most sense. So I'm on the under <laughs> that's really, I mean, I wish I had like actual analysis, but when I was, I was like, that's nah, Pitt. They're going to go 500, five and five. They got to the ACC
1: championship game in a year uh, that they ended up finishing seven and seven overall. Like, yeah. that's seven and seven is such a glorious standout record. Uh, but the way they did it, I didn't just want to point that out for the fun sake, is that they got pretty good at running the ball. They had, uh, man, they were that Quadri Allison, I think, was one of them. And then they had an, another running back with them. And the offensive line had a bunch of veterans on it. It seems to me like Pat Narduzzi wants this team to be able to run the ball, but they don't always run the ball well. Like, they're really committed to running the ball, but. They don't know their success rate isn't always great. And so, you know, the perfect pit season is when they actually get that full alignment of the defense that's really, really good, really strong up front, offensive line that's got some big bodies and veterans, and they're able to get out there and run the ball because it seems like even when they're not good at it, they're still going to it a lot. If they can figure out a way to run the ball, I think that is the real tipping point for the Panthers uh, as we look ahead.
0: And and I don't think this schedule does them a whole lot of favors either because they go from playing their typical coastal schedule to where now they've got the three best teams that you think, you know, historically from the Atlantic. They've got to deal with Clemson. They've got to deal with Florida State. They've got to deal with Louisville. Both the Clemson and Florida State games are on the road. And they're throwing a home date with Notre Dame onto that too. So their schedule gets a lot more difficult than it probably would have been in its normal 2020 schedule, which I think really kind of handicaps because I do like this team. It's just when you add all that schedule, to it, you add the couple, you know, the couple guys that they won't have that have opted out. I just five and five. Five
1: and five. <laughs> and uh Danny Cannell's uh pit is oh yeah, Notre Dame, he was on over on pit. Under. He, he is on the under. How many games are gonna win this fall? The Syracuse Orange. I have I ain't even even loaded up the Dino drop over here yet. <laughs> oh no!
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know if that's an ominous sign for what's ahead for the Orange. <laughs> I feel like we played it during spring gleaning and uh, and it was able to really deliver for some people. But the uh, the win total here not inspiring. It's set at two and a half. I look at the schedule and even with the two and a half, even wanting to go over, like here, Syracuse is good at wide receiver. They've got. Mm-hmm some good wide receivers right now. Sterling Gilbert's going to come in, and maybe he can simplify things for our boy Tommy DeVito, Jim Tan Laundry, and maybe he can uh, play a little bit better than he did. But they lose a pair of really good pass rushers on the defensive line. They're pretty good defensive backfield, but in general, man, there's some damning uh, sort of thoughts and analysis that point to the idea that if your main attack is just tempo, then... You're, you're behind the times. That just running tempo in 2020 is not going to be the kind of difference maker that it was. I've got seven certified losses. I've got three toss-ups. All the toss-ups are at home in the artist formerly known as the Carrier Dome, Georgia Tech, Duke, and Boston College. But they need to win all three of those toss-ups to be able to get over this number the way that I've got it. I'm going I am, it pains me that I'm going under two and a half.
0: I can't disagree. I just, it's, I don't have high hopes. I, I, I feel like I was, I was sitting there thinking when I was coming with the total. and I sent it to you guys, I was like, okay, this is probably going to give away where I stand on my feelings with Syracuse. But it's I I don't know, looking at this team and looking at the schedule, where that third win, for sure, is going to come from. So while I don't think it's entirely out of line to think that, you know, maybe Syracuse cycles up a little bit this year and it's able to get two, three wins. But, man, I am not putting my money on it happening.
2: <laughs> remember I was talking about the um, all the teams that are like, like leading the charge on social media hashtag. We want to play like Syracuse is thinking about bailing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're not seeing the Syracuse orange runner. Like in fact, they are, they're pulling the like, nah, we're not going to practice today. Like we're not confident in the protocols and that, you know, Hey, safety is important. And, um, that's the most important thing here, but like, it's not a good indication of, of what's to come for one and, and then you just look at the roster and it's it's not it's not that compelling it's not that persuasive it's uh I I don't see it I don't see it at all they're, they're supposed to do a 3 5 defense and I I just don't know that that's going to be this the the answer either it just feels like there's just going to be um a lot of ways to beat them <laughs>
1: I feel like I need to do a chopped and screwed, slowed down version of that. (laughs) (laughs) A a, a lock unity that we are very sad to uh, to come to, and that would be as Danny Cannell submits his Syracuse pick. It is also on the under. How many games are gonna win this fall? The Virginia Cavaliers, uh, big breakthrough season for Bronco Mendenhall last year. Make it to the ACC championship game. You snap the losing streak against Virginia Tech. You make it to the Orange Bowl. That's the kind of stuff that you want to see when you're trying to build up a program from a position when, by Bronco's own words, only had about two dozen ACC caliber players on the roster. Little bit of a rebuilding year. Uh, They're going to have to go... They've been hitting the transfer portal a little bit. They're also doing a little bit of a national recruiting uh, scene, so it'll be interesting to see how they move forward. Defensively, I think they should be all right. Our number here is set at five and a half. Your beloved Fighting Bronco Mendenhall's Tom Fernelli. How are you feeling?
0: Uh, Going 10 and 0. Never going to lose. I mean, listen, There, there's. they lose a lot from last year's team. They lose a lot of keep. You know, Bryce Perkins was pretty much the offense at times for them, not just last year, but the year before as well. And he, he played a huge role in Virginia getting where they're going to. They got to. And I fully expect that this year's team is going to take a step backward. That said, I don't think the step is going to be huge. I think six and four is very much in play here. So I am taking the over because when I look – The only definite losses I see are Clemson, and that's it. (laughs) Everything else, I feel like Virginia has a chance in. Virginia Tech on the road, that's a toss-up to me still. NC State, I think that's probably a win. Wake, toss-up. Miami, toss-up. North Carolina, toss-up. Louisville, toss-up. Duke win. Florida State, toss-up. BC win. So when I go through all that, it's like, yeah, man. Bronco's good enough at a coach. We have seen him do it time and time again at BYU and since he came to Virginia that this team is going to be able to find six wins. So give me that over. Go Hoos. Wow. Wow,
2: wow, wow, wow. Barton, are you as enthusiastic about the Wahoos? I'm not as enthusiastic, but I am in the same place. Wow. I'm also on the over. Wow. And I, su- I surprised myself. And getting there, but, like, I think everyone is counting Virginia out. Yeah. And it's because Bryce Perkins was the whole offense and da 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 Like, they just got another – like, Keaton, Keaton Thompson is Bryce Perkins. He's just bigger. He's just a bigger version of Bryce Perkins. And I guess – like, I don't know. I haven't checked in with their spring, spring uh, buzz – or, I'm sorry, uh, preseason buzz, but – Brennan Armstrong is not a bad player either as, as a court. So like that could be a legitimate quarterback competition. They return their offensive line. It's kind of the same team. Um, you yeah, they still have their really offensive line player.
1: was bad. Their offensive line was bad.
2: So, I mean, I don't know what, like it's, it's just sort of like, Hey, you, you return four starters on a bad offensive line or the offensive lines improve because four starters return, like what, right. however you want to look at sure. it. Like th- there's, there's a chance that's a different deal this year. And so, um, they still have playmakers on defense, Juwan Briggs, Charles Snowden. Like I just think it's like like Tom said, like I kind of think Bronco Mendenhall might be in a groove right now. I think he might just he's never gonna go he's not gonna go nine and one, but six and four, yeah. I think he's he might be in the Bronco groove right now.
1: I think I guess I kind of teased it on the, the front end because uh I got I've got Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech as a loss. I've got at Clemson as a loss. I mean, you really think Broncos going to take this team to the uh, to the the big ATM machine, Truist Field, formerly known as BB&T Field before the big bank merger, and take down Wake Forest and Winston Salem? Hell no! Wake Forest <laughs> is a loss. At Miami's a loss. North Carolina's a loss. Louisville's a loss. At Florida State's a loss. I got seven losses right there. I'm under. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a three and seven team hater hater certified hater believing in Duke and hating on UVA this is <laughs> this is this is where I'm at in my ACC analysis right now uh yeah I just I don't I don't see it I don't uh I, I think that there's got to be a little bit of a, a snapback What's wait the, do you
2: have Duke beating Virginia no I've got it as a toss-up okay
1: I think it's a toss-up Count them out. Virginia Tech also carries a five and a half from Tom Fernelli. I mean, from the Edgewater Emporium and Entertainment (laughs) Sportsbook. Who? Uh, The big, 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 big season for Justin Fuente. Uh, They were like bleeding players to the transfer portal. He had the flirtation with Baylor. You know, they finished the season with a loss to Virginia, uh, as we mentioned before. That could have put the Hokies in the ACC championship game. Then you follow that up by letting Lynn Bowden run for 233 yards on you in the Belk Bowl. Uh, you know, you're you're trying to, to to take these big steps forward. Bud Foster's gone. I don't know if like talent-wise on the defensive side of the ball, they're really up to what we would normally consider the Virginia Tech standard. Hendon Hooker still there, and when he really took over at quarterback, the offense started to improve a little bit. Um, really difficult team to figure out. Potentially one of the most interesting teams in all of the ACC. Five and a half, Barton. Which way are you going?
2: I am on the over. <clears throat> uh, I think you know five and a half was 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 a good number for me. Uh, six and a half. Probably might not have been able to get there. But I do think Hendon Hooker and the, the strides he made late in the season last year were were promising. <clears throat> I think probably a, a a new voice on defense <clears throat> as 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 legendary <clears throat> as Bud Foster has been that you get Justin Hamilton calling the plays, who still has like a Bud Foster pedigree M- might be beneficial. Um you've got a couple transfers that'll be able to help you. Khalil Herbert at running back. He came from Kansas. I think that's low-key, like maybe one of the most impactful transfers in the country. I think that guy is really, really talented. Um, Brock Hoffman, who was the kid that didn't get qualified last year at, at uh, offensive line as a grad transfer from Coastal Carolina. I think he's going to help them up front. Armani Chapman steps in for Caleb Farley at corner. I, I I don't see a lot of like, glaring holes on this team and I just think that uh I think that they'll be pretty good I'm I I just sort of feel like a six and four seems about right
0: you know if Caleb Farley was playing I'd be on the over but I just I think that is such a huge part of their defense in losing him because I mean he he played kind of like a a shutdown corner last year and you get one of those guys on your defense that does a lot of good for everybody on the defense because it, it leaves one thing that you don't have to worry about because you know all right he's got him we don't have to worry about that we could focus on this and I think losing him is a big impact now I don't think it's like oh my god now they've gone from seven and three to three and seven but I do think that not having him might cost you a win And I feel like this is something where I I probably have them at six and four if he's playing. Without him, I've got them at five and five, and I'm going under.
1: I've got – I'm going over. I've got five wins. NC State, Virginia, at Duke, Boston College, at Wake Forest. My only certain loss is Clemson. And I've got at North Carolina, at Louisville, Miami, and at Pitt as toss-ups. I do think that winning two of those four toss-ups is unlikely – uh, but at the same time, if I just need one of those four to hit the number, then I think that they can go and get it. So give me the, uh, the over five and a half. I think we end up around six and four, but again, man, fascinating, fascinating team, just because of all the the moving pieces that they've got going on around that program in Blacksburg. Oh, uh, Danny Cannell on the under with Tom for how many games are going to win this fall? We bring things home with the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. The number set at the Emporium at four and a half. Wake Forest is going to be turning into Sam Hartman, who was the quarterback and was playing pretty well when he first got in and then got hurt. And then Jamie Newman came in, finished the season. Jamie Newman wins the starting job in 2019 over Hartman, and obviously has a very productive season. Sage Surratt, one of the best uh, wide receivers, really, in the country. Uh, Carlos Boogie Basham, one of the best defensive linemen in the country. There is, without a doubt, a high floor uh, with the Dave Clawson program at Wake Forest. The schedule is daunting, as it is every year for a team in the ACC Atlantic. Uh, They also end up adding a, a North Carolina and a Miami, a Virginia Tech, from the traditional coastal division as well as notre dame so with the number at four and a half uh tom back to you
0: under i'm just not super into wake this year and it's not just you know like jamie newman leaving and all that there's there's plenty of players on that team that i still think are good players and there's plenty of reasons to think that this could be a good team but man talk about a rough start you're opening with Clemson, and then you get NC State on the road, which I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think is a more difficult game than you might realize right off the bat. But then you've got Notre Dame. So that NC State game becomes even more difficult because it is sandwiched between Clemson and Notre Dame. And you move on, and you get Virginia, Virginia Tech, and back-to-back weeks. Yeah, they're all at home. So four of their first five games are all at home, and that's good. It's just... They could lose all four of those games. And I don't know what kind of impact we're really going to have with home field advantage anyway, but still, you get the point of what I'm getting at. And we go down the stretch and it's like, where are the definite wins? Like Syracuse, you would think is a definite win, but it's on the road and there might not be an atmosphere, but it's a it's a decent travel. Then you're playing North Carolina and Duke on the road in consecutive weeks, and you get Miami to, and Louisville to finish. Like, is Duke on the road or Syracuse on the road the only definite wins that you could see?
1: Plus Virginia, but that's just because I'm a Virginia hater. That's but just because yeah. you're a hater. <laughs> <right>? <laughs>
0: so, it's, so it's like, I have a hard time seeing this team with this schedule win more than three games. That's just, I, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I think they might be the best three and seven team in the country, but they're going to be a three and seven team.
1: Yeah. I, I'm with you, man. Uh, Virginia, Syracuse, NC State, and Duke, and that's that's including some toss ups in there. I just I think that there are six losses: Clemson, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, at North Carolina, Miami, at Louisville. That's just really really tough. I'm going to go under the four and a half.
2: What did Danny have? Danny had the under. Okay. Um, I like this. I really like this a lot. <laughs> You guys, you guys are you guys are playing right. Uh, Here comes Dave Clawson's hype man. Dave Clawson is a carnivorous plant. He is he is a Venus flytrap. Okay, you guys just having fun thinking you're getting your layup underplay with Wake Forest forgetting the fact that this is all this guy does is just go above 500 year after year after year. And you forget the fact that he red shirts, one of the best players in the conference and Donovan green who comes out and blows it out at the end of the year. They've got Sage Surratt at wide receiver. They've got Sam Hartman, a guy that's like been playing quarterback for the last four years. This suddenly like he's their new starter. Like, this is just another Wake Forest team that might be a little boring, doesn't have the bright lights and flashy colors, but you get them on the field, they're gonna eke out a few games. And so I, my friends, am on the over. This is actually what forced me to go under on Notre Dame, is because look, if I'm gonna go over. If I'm gonna go over on Virginia. Then I gotta I gotta take a, a a notch off of Notre Dame's and so I'm under there. But uh, yeah, give me I'll, I'll feel comfortable riding the 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 uh, reliable returns of a Dave Clawson stock
1: and uh, and Danny Cannell, as we mentioned before on the uh, on the under as Barton brings the heat. Fight! Fight! <laughs> i don't know if we're going to get to win totals locks but i do hope that shows up again for you barton because digging digging in on wake forest i i've i've got so much respect i can't, respect for I can't
2: it. say i'm confident but you know this is just this just sometimes it's
0: you gotta you gotta stick with the principle sometimes he's called dave claus a venus flytrap, and now you're saying you're not confident come on no
1: no no, no. <laughs> stick to it Dig in. This is the uh, the, the season hangs in a balance. All we can do is dig in, get louder and more aggressive in our takes. That's right. It's the only option we got at this point. Uh, we will be back later this week taking a look at the SEC's win totals. Again, that schedule is going to be finalized here on Monday night. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Frenelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
2: Thank thank you. Sir.
0: Campbell, and along with Luke Thomas, we are the hosts of Morning
2: Combat, your one-stop shop for all things combat sports. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we'll hit you up with a brand new episode looking at the biggest headlines in boxing,
0: mixed martial arts, and so much more. That's not to mention bonus content every Tuesday and Thursday, featuring interviews with the biggest names, dissected fight breakdowns, and even a little
2: ridiculousness from time to time. We surely take the fight game seriously, but never ourselves,
0: so why not give us a try for all your combat needs before and after the big fights. It's Morning Combat. Download and subscribe today wherever you consume
2: fine audio.